Do you believe in alternate universes? You are listening to Delayed Replay. The Improvised Movie Review Podcast. Wink. Everything is fine here. We're all fine. Just sit tight and listen to them talk about the movies they definitely saw. Don't delay. Don't delay. We have to listen right away. Hello, listeners. This is your host, Stephen Schinder, with another episode of Dead Periel. On this one, we're talking about Jingle Cure Us. And I have my guest on this episode, Dylan Green. <laughs> so I, see, I see what you did there with the intro. Hello. I, uh, I've, I've been looking forward to this uh, since you asked if I wanted to be on. I've been keenly awaiting... Uh, talking about this this uh, paragon of of cinematic history, I think <laughs> was that paragon intentional? Uh, I, I I think so. I, th- I think so. Never eat pears or whatever it is the doctor says. So to explain the joke, because like explaining the joke is always the sign of a joke being good, <laughs> makes it funnier. Okay. <laughs> uh, so. Dead Periel is an anagram of delayed replay. Um, delayed replay. I can't talk very well right now. But and Jingle Cure Us is an anagram of Jungle Cruise, which is what we're actually talking about. Uh, so Dylan is on a few podcasts over at Decorative Vegetable, and currently on their Doctor Who podcast. Trust your doctor. They're talking about Torchwood and. Since Torchwood is an anagram of Doctor Who, like you guys are playing with anagrams quite a bit. Every week, we introduce the show with a different anagram of of the name Trusted Doctor. About a week ago, off recording, uh, my co-host Keon was like, "You know, this probably isn't as funny as we thought it would be, and we should probably stop when we reach season two <laughs> of Torchwood." So there's a little insight. For all of you uh, delayed replay fans. All the delayed replay fans. <laughs> hey, man. Um, hey, man. D- don't underestimate your fan base. <laughs> right. I mean, I have an idea of how many people listen, but, like, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, last episode was about Tenet and Pound Drums are a little bit of a thing. And this episode, it's anagrams, at least for this intro. <laughs> Well, probably not going to be anagrams moving forward because I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty bad at coming up with anagrams. I use an anagram finder for uh, Trust Your Doctor <laughs> because I don't want to sit there like all morning going, okay, what's a reasonable word I can make out of these letters? So I'm not going to be able to come up with any on the fly moving forward. I hate to be a disappointment, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't intend to make more. I was just going to say, I only know that like an anagram of my name would be Nerdish Events. And um, I figured out that an anagram of your name would be Linda Genre or something like that. I'll take it. So, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Jungle Cruise. And um, yeah, we even like took a trip to Disneyland in preparation for this movie. Went on the Jungle Cruise ride. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I uh, the Jungle Cruise ride is one of my favorites. I I got a an annual pass to Disneyland at the beginning of, of 2020. And so every time I go, I try to go, you know, at least once a week. And every time I'm there, you know, I just have to ride a uh, jungle cruise. I just have to go on the jungle cruise and experience the, the little cruise down the Amazon just every single time. You know, Disney is not complete without the jungle cruise. Yeah. That's quite dedication. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it gets, like, super crowded, but, like, my favorite part of Disneyland right now is Galaxy's Edge, because, you know, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so, like, it's pretty much my bread and butter, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's fair enough, but the Jungle Cruise is a classic. I mean, you, you can't go wrong with the Jungle Cruise, you know? Fair play to Galaxy's Edge, but it's Jungle Cruise for me all the way. Jungle Cruise has my heart and my soul and possibly the rest of my body. But how much are they like paying you for this? <laughs> well, 
you know, I signed an NDA, so I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to uh, disclose that that information. I'll have to talk with my lawyers. Uh, I'll have to talk with my lawyers and get back to you. That's fair. So yeah, the ride itself is pretty fun, and we were pretty, I guess, jazzed. <laughs> to see how it would translate on screen. Not that I had, like, particularly high expectations about this movie, but since, like, The Rock is in it, and, like, I know how much you guys love The Rock, so it's like, like, over at Trust Your Doctor, he's kind of a meme now. Look, I am a self-proclaimed Rock fanatic, okay? The Rock is one of the greatest actors of our generation. He instantly elevates any movie from potentially being trash into being at least fun, <laughs> enjoyable content. Uh, he did it with Skyscraper. He did it with San Andreas. He did it with Race to Witch Mountain. And I, I, you know, I'm, I, I think I can safely say he did it again with Jungle Cruise, the absolute madman. Out of those three, I've only seen Race to Witch Mountain. But the only thing I remember is the meme where like, he's like in the driver's seat. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back at the kids, I'll tell you, I've seen the original Race to Witch Mountain, and the the oh, Dwayne same. the Rock version, in my opinion, is superior, if only because Dwayne the Rock Johnson is in it. <laughs> All right, and with San Andreas, I was just like, I've never seen it, but I remember being kind of disappointed that it wasn't based on the video game Grand Theft Auto <laughs> San Andreas. But we can't always have nice things. You know, I'm kind of genuinely surprised they haven't made a movie based on uh, GTA yet. Baby Driver comes pretty close uh, toward the end where it gets like super crazy with like all the car chases and all the shooting and whatnot. And also like the beginning of the Ryan Gosling movie Drive mm-hmm. kind of gives me like loading screen vibes with like the soundtrack and whatnot. That, that's a genuinely great movie. Oh, yeah. Like I love the soundtrack to Drive. I watched it for the first time uh, about a week ago now and really enjoyed Drive. Yeah, it really, I don't know, it's just something that kind of reaches into your soul and makes you question whether you're a real (laughs) human being and a real hero. Are you the hero of your own story? Find out. Watch Drive. (laughs) Check out Backseat Drivers, a drive slash race to Witch Mountain (laughs) podcast. No, just kidding. I don't know if that even exists. Can you imagine a podcast just based entirely around movies that have driving in in them? Like Drive, Baby Driver, Race to Witch Mountain, just... Whichever bus movie with the bomb, whatever that's called. Speed! Speed. Speed! How could you forget Speed? I mean, I think it's because I don't remember if I've ever seen it. I just know that, like, there's the that South Park episode that references it, and there's also an Invader Zim episode that surprisingly references it by like i think there's like a bomb under the bus driver's seat or something and it's like not drawn attention <laughs> toward oh i definitely know i haven't seen speed i just know all the memes the sick memes that have come out of that movie uh yes memes are comedy gold if you're proofreading your own memes does that count as editing oh my god <laughs> we're in too deep already into the meme culture we're in too deep. So anyway, Jungle Cruise. I was going to say, you know, <laughs> we, 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 we harp on how great Dwayne The Rock Johnson is, but I don't think we should ignore the contribution of Emily Blunt to the uh, the success of this movie. You need an actress who can hold up against the, the sheer charisma of a human being that is Dwayne. And, and Emily Blunt really pulls it off. You know, she really, really put in a good performance in this movie. Oh, yeah, I agree. Like, I loved her in... Um... Well, I guess coming full circle, like, since the first episode of this was on A Quiet Place Part 2. Like, even though that movie had its issues, like, A Quiet Place Part 2 was, like, she had, like, really strong moments in that one, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. She's a great actress. Yeah, she's just been having hit after hit in 2020. And, you know, Jungle Cruise made a joke about it being Paragon of Cinema. It's not perfect, but I do think that uh, Emily and Dwayne really hold it up. Uh, they kind of carry the movie, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, right in the beginning, like we see Emily Blunt's character. She plays Lily Houghton, a scientist. She's doing research on this thing called the Tree of Life, which has like healing powers. But there are like these other people going after it, and there's like 
this fight scene in this library in London, which I thought was really cool and well choreographed. Yeah, it's the uh the the it's not necessarily a cold open, so to speak, but it it really draws you into the action as soon as the movie starts. You open on Emily Blunt, she's reading them, and all of a sudden the villains come in and they start fighting it out and just causing general havoc to the the poor poor library. <laughs> I could I could only imagine like who would have to like clean up this this mess when she leaves. Yeah, I was cringing when like the villains were like tearing pages out of books. I mean, that's how they get you, right? How they make you really hate these characters and root against them. It's like, can you please stop? This is literature right here. Yeah, I mean, the desecration of knowledge is like a common uh, villain motivation throughout history. And to see it so uh, subtly displayed right off the bat with them tearing the pages out of the book, you know, the they could have really gone for like mustache twirling, like, haha, look at us, we're destroying this. But instead, they, they kind of tear the pages out as almost a side effect of them trying to chase down Lily as she's running through this library and trying to escape. It gives us the first kind of look at uh, Lily as sort of a Jack Sparrow esque character. And, and I do feel this movie warrants comparison to Pirates of the Caribbean since they're both movies based on famous Disney rides that are, are better than they have any right to be, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lily even mentions, like, she compares the Tree of Life to the Fountain of Youth and references how, like, there's a legend of how, like, Jack Sparrow and Blackbeard found it at some point. So Yeah, kind of kind of weird how they tied these two universes together. But, you know, Disney, you mad lads. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the craziest part <laughs> of it, but we'll get there. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that scene near the end. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, we'll go there. <laughs> she definitely feels like a Jack Sparrow type. Maybe not in terms of how, like, sometimes Jack can get really, um, I don't know if moronic is the right word, but you know how he'll be, like, kind of silly. Like, she's more serious, but she can also, like, be swashbuckling, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I think I would describe it as kind of like a thinking man's Jack Sparrow almost. You know, Jack Sparrow is very uh, wears his heart on his sleeve, very obvious, so to speak, and and she's more of a kind of subtle, nuanced take on a on a very similar idea, like you said, very swashbuckling when she needs to be. I guess while we're on this, did you hear that Margot Robbie is supposedly gonna be in like a new Pirates of the Caribbean movie? She reminded me of jack sparrow when she played harley quinn in birds of prey which mm -hmm. is like I, re I really love that movie and she even says parlay at some point so it's like yeah <laughs> i remember that i really like that movie too yeah i can see how that's a very jack sparrow-esque character yeah you know i i read that and at first i was like hmm but then i was like disney you mad lad you've got me for another pirates movie i don't know how you did that since i didn't even watch the fifth one but somehow you convinced me. So, you know, I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Oh, you're not missing anything by not watching the fifth one, honestly. Yeah, so, like, Barbosa was my favorite <laughs> character in those movies. And just, like, I heard a spoiler about the fifth one that just really made me, like, not want to watch it. So I just didn't. <laughs> yeah, they really pulled things out of thin air. And there's, like, some fan service moments are out of place. So. I also heard it, like, retcons yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah, it does. The compass and various other Jack-related paraphernalia, and pretty much the end of the third movie. So. Damn, I still hold the, uh, the the original trilogy of pirates movies up as as you know one of the most consistently at least good trilogies out of the vast number of trilogies I've watched. Check out Triple Play, a movie <laughs> trilogy podcast. Coming back with season three later this year yeah the seasons are much longer than like one would think yeah like just in terms of years at least. <laughs> hey man it's it's uh, okay i didn't realize how tiring it was going to be when we started that podcast to watch movie trilogies but like one year in we were like oh geez this is the most tiring thing i've ever done <laughs> earlier this morning i was having an argument with someone online 
it was this weird post where someone said that Saw is a trilogy, and mm-hmm. it like really isn't. Like the first three were going to be intended as a trilogy, but then they just kept going up to seven, like releasing one a year, and then they took a break and then came back with Jigsaw several years later, and then Spiral this year. And someone in the comments was saying how like it's three trilogies and that Saw 7, Jigsaw, and Spiral are a trilogy. And I'm like, they definitely aren't. They're so disconnected from each other. It sounds like that person is trying to make Saw the next Star Wars with some sort of three three trilogies. You know, this whole symbolism behind the number three. Yeah, they did make the Star Wars comparison, but I was like, no, th- this isn't like the sequel trilogy. Like, it's more like if you said, like, the Clone Wars movie, The Force Awakens, and Rogue One are a trilogy because, hey, look, it's the seventh, eighth, and ninth theatrical movies. <laughs> I mean, they could be. Like, you know, you could just hack it together and be like, well, you know, the connecting thread is the, like, the the oppression of the clones and the stormtroopers throughout the three movies and how they're used as menial grunts and they're actually the main characters of this trilogy you know you could like hack it together somehow sure let's make <laughs> salvation genesis and dark fate a trilogy while we're yeah they are i mean they're the trilogy of rewriting and attempting to redo <laughs> terminator 3 yeah i mean you could make a case for terminator 1 2 and 3 being a trilogy and then one, two, and Genesis, and one, two, and Dark Fate being trilogies, but I don't think there's a case for Salvation, Genesis, and Dark Fate being like an actual cohesive trilogy. They're the trilogy of Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to milk his franchise for all the money he can get. See, look, easy. But I mean, he only appears as a CGI face in Salvation. Still so. got that paycheck though, and that's what matters. Checkmate. That's what matters. <laughs> Paycheck, mate. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, was it Anthony Hopkins who's who was in Jaws three, and they were like, "Have you seen Jaws 3? It sucks. And he's like, "No, I haven't, but I have seen the house that it paid for." Oh, I think you guys have talked about that like once or twice on. I love podcast. that quote. I love that quote. That's gonna be me one day when I can do things just for the money. When people offer me to do things and pay me to do it. <laughs> nice. I'll, I'll put the quote in the show notes. <laughs> ah, yes, the show notes. Lily also has a younger brother. She goes to visit him as workplace in this office building. Um, his name is McGregor, and he's played by Jake Whitehall. And she's like telling him about the Tree of Life. And he's being really skeptical about it. Because, like, uh, you know, this is like, 20th century i'm not i'm not sure like which year because like when they show the year at the beginning it's like super tiny and it's like the opposite problem that captain america's civil war has with its giant ass letters yeah it was kind of weird that the uh that the year was it was almost like the creators of the movie were like well we don't really know what year it is, so if we put it really small, no one will notice. Except as soon as this movie comes out on Blu-ray, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to stick it in my Blu-ray player, and I'm just going to blow up the image until I can read what the heck year this is supposed to take place in. And you know I'm not going to be the only one who does that. And then once you find out the truth, the Disney team will like barge into your home and be like, Disney, yeah, Disney up. will kick in the door and drag me away and be like, you can't reveal this information. Or like break your disc and then like do a men in black thing to you make you forget. the disney mafia look if it happens this podcast will be the evidence you need to make make sure you know that disney did it to me it was the disney mafia i've so said too much already <laughs> i've broken my nda oh no all right i'll, I'll edit that for you <laughs> oh no no worries yeah mcgregor is pretty skeptical but he's also bored of his office job so he's like okay i'll go with you on this journey to the tree of life or whatever the heck it's called yeah i'll go on this journey that involves potentially certain death and you know disease and all sorts of terrible things might happen to me but you know i'm bored so sure she does convince him that like if they do get diseases the tree of life might be able to heal them but that's a pretty big it's a pretty big if to like risk your whole 
health and life and like career on you know was kind of curious to know why they they named him mcgregor which uh, typically is like someone's last name but they decided to make it his first name so it's like i don't know if there's anything deeper to that it's just uh, something i noticed my theory is that it's subliminal marketing (laughs) for the kenobi show that's starring ewan mcgregor it's coming to disney plus that's right because it is Ewan McGregor, mm, the Disney Mafia strikes again. <laughs> I remember this one time, uh, some boxing or wrestling match with someone named McGregor was trending, <laughs> and like I jokingly posted, like this was before the Kenobi show was confirmed, and like it was rumored to be a movie. Like I think it was originally gonna be a movie, but like I made this post where I was like mcgregor fight is trending so that kenobi movies happening after all <laughs> surprise the kenobi movie is just three hours of ewan mcgregor boxing people and it ends with a surprise cameo from Dwayne the rock johnson coming moving over from wrestling to boxing and he plays the big villain of the series who will be in a surprise twist revealed to be not darth maul I mean, obviously, like, I hope for new, unfamiliar villains in the show, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see. that. Uh, that's going to be coming out hopefully pretty soon. Hopefully pretty soon. Yeah, I think it's slated for next year, and you can bet I'm going to, like, watch each episode, like, as soon as they, like, come out. So, yeah. Consume media. Consume. Consume. Subscribe to Subscribe to, to Disney+. Plus. Give Disney your money. Uh, what? Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com. <laughs> did you sell out to the Big Finish mob? It's okay. This is a safe I mean, space. I mean, I did buy a bunch of their stuff over the last couple months. So, maybe? Hmm. <laughs> mm. Suspicious. I'm just not going to big finish that statement, so (laughs) moving on. (laughs) Moving swiftly along, so... Just cruising along. Cruise along. along. McGregor and Lily, we we get a little bit of a time skip, and and, uh, we get a concurrent event where we meet Frank for the first time. He's showing off his absolutely fantastic jungle cruise with all sorts of little in-jokes, referencing the ride yeah because like when disney shows this movie they want people to think of disneyland as opposed to like torchwood <laughs> land or something like that pandora land <laughs> i was watching space jam right before doing this episode like you know as, yeah, as you do. do and so like i've had the vhs of space jam for years i grew up with it as a kid but it took me this long to realize that Moron Mountain is a reference to Magic Mountain. <laughs> and, like, you know, they want, like, the Looney Tunes uh, to be forced to be at Moron Mountain. So it's, like... And, like, Magic Mountain has its own, like, Bugs Bunny world or whatever it's mm-hmm. called. Yeah. I, I confession time, have not actually ever watched Space Jam. Mm, the Warner Brothers team will be knocking through your door and making you watch you it. You know, why do, I, why do I even fix the door? Every day I fix it. Someone else is, is is banging on it, knocking it down, and just, you know, at this point, just come on in. Just if you ring the doorbell, you can just come in. Just please, like, don't – please stop knocking my door down. Please. Also today, as of when we're recording this, apparently it's the 80th anniversary of Bugs Bunny. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, the USPS is releasing Bugs Bunny stamps today. So that's fun. I collect stamps, so that's why I'm all, I'm all up on the stamps knowledge. Yeah, I mean, someone's got to collect Somebody's got to preserve Otherwise... the history of stamps in Rhodesia. The most recent stamp acquisition is a Rhodesian stamp my mom found behind a bookcase. <laughs> collect the stamps before they collect the dust. <laughs> collect stamps before they collect you. <laughs> but um, y- your mention of male uh reminded me of something how like they're on this like jungle cruise with frank and he says something about like one day shipping through the amazon and i feel like this is a subtle way of like marketing amazon the website (laughs) or not so subtle i guess 
Yeah, I mean, it was, it didn't seem so subtle because he kind of just, you know, after he meets Lily, he just kind of turns to her and goes, you know, I've been shipping through Amazon for years. And she just goes, what? And he goes, never mind. You know, a little bit of a weird scene to just kind of throw in there. But I figured Disney needed some money to fund this movie. And that was how they got it. Yeah, he, he definitely looked at the camera at one point while he was saying that. Kind of an implied wink with it, too. I mean, he didn't actually wink because that'd be like, whoa, too much fourth wall breaking. But he kind of like it seemed like he wanted to. But I mean, if he did break the fourth wall, that'd be evidence that he's the doctor. Yeah, right? exactly. That the doctor's adventures were all just just his history, like re-performed for us as viewers. Deep. <laughs> oh, copyright. Oh. X-Files, X-Files, X-Files. <laughs> Actually got that from like one of the Nerdist podcasts where they talked about the X-Files of David Duchovny. So. Oh, hell yeah. Another confession, I have not watched the X-Files either, but I will probably watch it eventually. It is kind of inevitable. Check out <laughs> Inevitable, a classic sci-fi podcast. <laughs> But I've seen the first five seasons and the first movie, and then I didn't watch the stuff that's after because I heard it went downhill. But I watched the mini series back in 016. Uh, <laughs> <and> 016. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> you know, good old 2016. Yeah, 016. Yeah. <laughs> The, the two was too much. So, But yeah, like I watched that miniseries and it ended on like a cliffhanger that I really hated. So I just noped out of whatever came next. <laughs> Probably another miniseries, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. Watch Twin Peaks instead. It's definitively better than The X-Files. Wait, what? what? Who said that? I wouldn't know. I haven't seen Twin Peaks either. <laughs> Apparently my t television knowledge is strictly... Strictly pre-1990s British science fiction only. Check out Zenith, a Blake 7 <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Actually, do Zenith was the greatest thing I've ever done, and we peaked after that, and, and we never reattained that kind of success. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, it was a Zenith of It truly success, was. That's why it's named Zenith. You know, I never thought of that. Wow. It always makes me think of, like, that logo at the bottom of some TVs. I don't know if that's, like, a TV company oh, yeah. or what. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Wow. Never made that connection. Well, now you did, however brief that connection was. <laughs> Never going to be able to unthink it. <laughs> Check out Unthinkable, <laughs> a mind bot. No, that's not <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, they're on this cruise and there's like danger at every corner, which it's it's all because they like go through this route that Frank isn't used to taking because, you know, they want to take the route that leads to the tree of life. And he's pretty skeptical about it, too, um, as one would probably be about a magic tree in whatever year this is. Yeah, I mean... He's also, he reveals, been researching the Tree of Life independently for, like, years. So, you would think that when Lily shows up, meets Frank, who is basically, like, the bona fide expert on the Tree of Life, and he's like, look, it probably doesn't exist, man. She would be like, well, you got me. You're right. Uh, you're right. It doesn't exist. Yeah, he's even like, let me be Frank. This is pointless. <laughs> And another, he kind of definitely turns to the camera. There's a lot of these little subtle fourth wall kind of nods in this movie. Yeah, subtle. They're subtle if you're asleep. <laughs> Are you implying that you're asleep for some of this? No, movie? I was fully juiced up for the whole. Ooh, I should. I probably shouldn't say that. I was fully awake for the whole movie. <laughs> I was eyes wide open. Just like, oh yeah, this is really scratching that Pirates of the Caribbean itch that I haven't scratched in like since I saw On Stranger Tides a million years ago. I mean, I don't know. I feel like the music didn't really do much for me in terms of like the Pirates of the Caribbean vibe that I usually think of when I think of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, that was something I wanted to talk about actually. You know, uh, who, who 
did the music for this. I had it in my notes. Yeah. Uh, James Newton. Right. James Newton Howard. You know, he's won some awards, but I've always seen him as kind of a. Uh, he he is kind of a Hans Zimmer protege, but I've always seen him as a very pragmatic composer. You know, I've never really seen many movies with music by him that I was like, oh yeah, now that was like, that was a banging score. You know, I mean, he did the Batman trilogy with Chris Nolan, but he composed those with Hans Zimmer, and and based on like some of his other movies, you might wonder if Hans Zimmer may have been like carrying that duo there. Yeah. Uh, I was just looking at their ages. It looks like James Newton Howard is like six years older than Hans Zimmer. Huh, that's really surprising. He yeah. scored over a hundred movies and gotten eight Academy Award nominations, but he has not won. But he does have a Grammy. He also scored the what I've heard is an abomination of a movie, The Lost Airbender. <laughs> oh, I actually watched that for like the only time ever earlier this month. <laughs> I avoided it for ten years and. <laughs> I haven't seen it's it or the dark. TV show. It has none of the humor of the TV show, and the casting was just very p- problematic. Oh, hell and... yeah. <laughs> Problema- problematic <laughs> casting in Hollywood. Name a more iconic duo, honestly. Uh, you and Dion? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I appreciate the compliment, but... I've only got half of Trust Your Doctor here, so it's more like Trust... You trust yo, yo or trust ye, or trust you <laughs> but yeah james newton howard's score was just like it didn't have that swashbuckling feel i was really looking for in fact there's like not a single song from this movie that i could like just hum for you right now there's no recognizable theme or or anything really well there is one thing there was that well it's not i guess original to the score i guess but there was that Weird Al Yankovic song Skipper Dan, which right. is part of the ride. That's right. He did. He he did. Or the music editors, whoever made the choice to include that music during the climactic boat chase, really, really sold me on the movie. Honestly, that was the moment where I was all in. Pretty catchy song. Yeah, that was the the one song I came out of the movie like, yeah, you know, that one was pretty good. But I mean, it was written like well before this movie was made. So at least as far as I know, unless a weird Al's a time traveler. <laughs> oh man. Is there just time travel in like both our podcasts? <laughs> like what's happening? <laughs> well, the appearance of me on your podcast canonically in the canon of Trust Your Doctor sets your podcast in the same universe as, as mine. Oh yeah. I can't argue with that logic. Like, on Trust Your Doctor, you guys talk about how, like, canonically, Doctor Who is made by time travelers who listened to your podcast to exactly. see, like, what's going on. And you guys even tested that uh, by, like, pretending that there's, like, this stay-at-home lockdown thing. And wouldn't you know it, Doctor Who ended up releasing these Doctor Who lockdown stories to, like, reflect that. Yeah. It's really so bizarre. Confirmed. It's it's really kind of disconcerting to know that there are time travelers living among us, listening to, to the, the podcast that has like no listenership at all. For some reason, they're they're like, <laughs> that's the one we're going to listen to. You know, delayed replay as an acronym is DR. Doctor. Like, doctor. Mm. It's like trust doctor your confirmed. Doctor, trust your delayed replay. <laughs> confirmed. How does it feel to join the canon of every Doctor Who podcast ever? Since I think canonically, Keon and I were on a podcast that featured like 20 other Doctor Who podcasts in the same episode, which means canonically, you have now joined basically every Doctor Who podcast in the canon of the podcasting world. I feel like I'm trying to think of like some movie that got put into like another franchise canonically, but like... I can't think of like a good example. You mean like... potentially like maybe Jungle Cruise? Hmm. Oh yeah, but we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like Jungle Cruise. But anyway, <laughs> so like he got the villains. Uh, like he got Jesse Plemons plays all of them and Quim Gutierrez, and they're like fighting them on on the boat. And Frank's getting really upset because like he loves his boat. It's like the love of his life pretty much i guess you could say that's his relationship yeah 
yeah, you know, he even goes so far as to call it his the pearl of his life, you know, in which you kind of have to wonder if he looked at the camera and gave a little nod again. You know, very, very interesting. <laughs> You're going to have to explain that one for because, me. Because uh, so. the Black Pearl is Captain Jack's ship. Okay, I was thinking Black Pearl, but I wasn't sure if that was where you're going. Like, I didn't know if there was, like, some Dwayne Johnson movie <laughs> about a pearl. The Dwayne Johnson movie canon. You know, it's vast and all-encompassing. So, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised, is my point. Honestly, it's a crime that Dwayne Johnson was never in that 90s movie, The Rock. <laughs> so The one about escaping Alcatraz? Oh, I don't know. I've never seen it. So. <laughs> I don't even know if he was a... Well, I guess I just know he wasn't. He would have been an actor by that point because he would have been in Star Trek by that point. So yeah, I think I think his Star Trek episode was before The Rock. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, let's see. The Rock movie came out in 1996. Oh yeah, then definitely because he was on Voyager, which I think ended in 96 or 97. So well, Voyager actually began in 95. So yeah, that would mean Deep Space Nine ended in 94. Or 95? No, Deep, Deep Space Nine ended in 1999, so like some of it was concurrent with Voyager. Jeez. But, um, I always saw Deep Space Nine as a solidly 80s series. <laughs> Wild. Speaking of Deep Space Nine, you should check out Babylon 5. The legend has it that like the premise of Babylon 5 may have been taken by Paramount and all of them who made Deep Space Nine. So like even though Deep Space Nine came a little bit before Babylon 5, the premise might have originally been, like, Babylon 5 from, like, when the creator was, like, pitching the show to different people. And, like, you watch Babylon 5, and the premise is very similar, but I think Babylon 5 does it better. Interesting. Deep Space Nine is my favorite Star Trek series, so... Yeah, I mean, I love Deep Space Nine. It's just that I prefer Babylon 5. It's probably my favorite sci-fi series. Fair enough. Fair enough. You don't think Doctor Who is your favorite series? For shame. SMH. Fake fan. <laughs> I mean... Hashtag not a real Doctor Who fan. Come, I mean, come on. Did Doctor Who ever have, like, a five-season arc that was, like, planned from, like... Or that at least feels like it was planned from beginning to end, and it has, like, a poignant ending? Doctor Who doesn't even have an ending, man. What's up with that? <laughs> I mean, if you ignore some of the episodes that don't quite fit into it, Stephen Moffat's era could maybe sort of be like a five-year plan, maybe. If you just ignore some of the, the badder episodes. Mm, so, sounds too much like headcanoning there. My headcanon is the only canon that matters. But speaking of cannons, they like fire them at the river boat that they're on. And so, yeah, that boat's going down and they have to like jump off and get like on the shore and traverse the jungles with all its various beasts and whatnot and which like you totally saw the scene coming from the instant lily was like you know i can't swim and frank was like wait what you knew that at some point she was going to be half drowning and frank was going to have to carry her dwayne the rock johnson style across the river and you know it was glorious at least it's not like one of those old video games where you die if you immediately touch the water (laughs) the tree of life and the river of death you know that would have been an interesting idea i don't know how they would have made a movie of that but interesting idea just make it an art film that simply has the tree and the river no people in it whatsoever <laughs> and like make it like super pretentious and black and white at some oh, point so like like, excuse me <laughs> koyana scotsy a nice i've never even heard of this wow godfrey reggio's masterpiece it's it's a movie that has no characters it's just it's um it's music and visual. It's like, a, I think he called it a visual poem, but it's it's basically visuals and music. And it tells a story about life rising from nothing and how industrialization basically returned us to our like confined forms and took away our free will. Kuyana Scotsi is pretty good, actually. You know, I, I just kind of ragged on it by, with, by making that joke by saying it was pretentious. But I will say that it's sequels. Uh, are pretty pretty bad and pretentious okay i'll have to like look that up because huh. maybe cinema isn't so bad <laughs> <laughs> so 
So yeah, they go through this jungle and th- they get attacked by this like jungle cat and like they're trying to do the thing where like they make themselves look bigger which which has like mixed results. I don't know if that only works on bears or if it works for more animals, so they kind of took me out a bit. Um yeah, it was a little bit of but... uh, anachronism almost with uh Frank being like you just got to make yourself bigger and Lily's like but all right, I don't know if that's going to work, but all right. And then it, it kind of works, but it kind of doesn't. Yeah, and then Paul Giamatti's character comes out, and he reveals that he is friends with this jungle <laughs> cat, which is kind of weird. I was honestly taken out a little bit of it, you know, less so by them making themselves bigger for the cat, but but me wondering, like, how, how did his character, whose name, I think his name is Brooks, got there? like yeah. quicker than Frank and Lily did. Like Frank and Lily took off on their boat and then like all of a sudden Brooks shows up in the middle of the jungle. And I was just wondering like, how did, how did you get here, man? Like, how did you get here before they did? Yeah, I wonder if there's like some sort of symbolism because like, you know, there's like a brook and like a <laughs> river. So like... Yeah, I buy it. I buy it. I'm sold. I'm buying what you're selling. <laughs> Well, what I'm selling is illegal jokes on you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Disney, open up. Wait, what? <laughs> so, yeah, he tells the cat to, like, sick them. And so they're, like, running through the jungle. And they end up, like, swinging on vines. But, like, it's not able to, like, support the rock. So, like, they're, like, falling. And it's, like, they they really went all out on this action sequence. I, I feel like the camera was, like, too shaky at moments. So I was like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, you kind of wanted them to be like, yo, just let the action speak for itself. You don't need to shake the camera while they're falling, because they're falling. We know they're falling. Let us see them fall, you know? And then when they get to the bottom, the whole fight sequence, just the whole... I, I Honestly, I couldn't even tell what was going on. Like... I had to go back and watch the movie a second time just to figure out what was going on during this whole scene because of the shaky cam. Yeah, I mean, they even run into Sir James Hobbs Cunningham, uh, who's played by Andy Neiman. And it's like, how do all these people get ahead of them? Like, what's going on? Yeah, it was a very, very Emperor's New Groove uh, feel for me. And I guess since this isn't like a serious movie, that kind of works, you know? It kind of works, especially when... When Frank kind of calls it out, you know, this, you know, when Sir James shows up and this is like the third person who got there before them and he kind of turns to Lily, except he's really, you know, turning to the camera kind of and he goes, how do these people keep beating us? Yeah, I love that moment in Emperor's New Groove where they acknowledge how they got ahead and it seems impossible. I actually rewatched that movie recently because um, my friends do a podcast called intergalactic peace coalition mm-hmm. and that was one of the movies they talked about recently oh nice nice still holds up that movie it's hilarious oh yeah no i love empire emperor empire emperor's new groove empire's new groove oh, I also Star love- Wars version. <laughs> you ever seen empire on ice the robot chicken sketch where it's like empire strikes back but as a musical with ice i, I have vague memories of seeing it like a, a long time ago i'll link it in the show notes <laughs> Check out link in the show notes, a Legend of Zelda podcast. <laughs> I mean, we're we're ba- we're basically just like pitching all these podcast ideas that are never going to come to fruition. Probably. I kind of really thought you were to say check out link in the podcast, uh, link in the show notes, a, a podcast about show notes. <laughs> just a podcast that reviews other podcasts' show notes. That would be something. <laughs> Copyright, Dylan. 2020 damn you beat me to it <laughs> that's how it that's how copyright works you say it first and it's and you got it like that's didn't you know <laughs> yes that is how it works in these parts in these parts <laughs> on the interwebs <laughs> so they go through this uh big fight scene and it's kind of revealed that they're fighting at the Tree of Life. They 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 had no idea that they were already there. They've been just fighting the villains, and they didn't even notice. And they're like, oh, shoot. Wait, we're actually here. And that, like, amps up the stakes in the middle of the fight sequence because 
they go from just a regular fight to all of a sudden fight for like the soul of the world, so to speak. Yeah, and they realize this before the fight gets too violent because one of the villains had a broken bottle with them and was going to use the glass to like slit someone's throat. But then, like, when they realized where they were, they like pretty much stopped fighting and were in awe at this giant tree. Yeah, I really thought the movie was going to go like hard R all of a sudden right there. Like, I know it was a PG rated movie, and then all of a sudden the dude pulls out a bottle and he's like, I'm going to slit your throat. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Well, Disney. Disney. Yeah, like, I couldn't remember if this was PG or PG-13, but even if it was PG-13, it would have been, like, really brutal if they actually showed the, like, throat getting slit. Can you imagine just out of nowhere the whole movie is, like, pretty much PG, and then all of a sudden he just pulls out a bottle and slits the guy's throat, like, whoa, out of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so the tree talks to them and says... Only those who are worthy can use my healing powers. And like one of the villains um has like a piece of plastic on them and then like tosses it and like once it hits the ground the tree is like unworthy and it like decimates him. Like you don't see it on screen, but like because of the lighting it's implied that like the tree set him on fire. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this very overt save the environment message, like don't leave plastic on the ground. Very Doctor Who. <laughs> That's microplastics episode. Very I was a little uh, taken out of the movie actually by how overt this message was. You know how there wasn't really an obvious reason at first for him to just pull this like plastic out of his pocket and chuck it on the ground. You're just kind of like, whoa, man! Like what? Why? You know. Yeah, there was, like, no build-up to it. Like, maybe if it had been foreshadowed and we'd seen that, like... Like, this is Jesse Plemons' character, but if they had, like, shown that he had a habit of, like, throwing stuff on the ground, like, littering and whatnot, then maybe it would have felt less out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. But even so, it's pretty... Yeah, I don't know. It it just fell off to me. Yeah, like, if they had, had built it up throughout the movie by showing him being a filthy litterer for the for the whole movie then maybe it would have made more sense for him to just chuck this plastic on the floor and be like haha lol <laughs> yeah because they definitely said lol back then in 19 whatever in 19 something 20 in the 20th century <laughs> the nebulous 20th century <laughs> yeah i mean most of the 20th century looked the same right? yeah exactly so. you know like it, it's not like there was a total paradigm shift after world war ii or anything like yeah the entirety of the 20th century looked the same check out paradigm a podcast about pears <laughs> coming at you from a tree near you take that apple <laughs> wow wow <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Apple is one of the places where this podcast gets distributed. Wow! <laughs> they just boot you off their platform for talking bad about you. Apple, open up! No! Get tossed into the phantom zone <laughs> into space. <laughs> oh, jeez. So yeah, eat your fruits and vegetables. But anyway, so like Lily's little brother... um, McGregor, he like pretty much picks up the plastic just to like look at it, like unknowingly knowing that like doing so would like grant him worthiness of harnessing the healing powers of the tree of life. And so like uh, we get these like fireflies that come out of the tree and swirl around him, and like he starts glowing, and it's like <laughs> it's like the goofiest CGI I've seen in recent memory. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't great, but you know, I recently rewatched Black Panther, and whoo boy, the CGI in that movie did not hold up. Ooh boy. I mean, I I remember thinking it looked cool when I saw it in the theater, but I haven't seen it since then. Yeah, I thought it was possible when I saw it in the theater, and and rewatching it on like a home TV screen, I was like, man, wow, that didn't, wow, that did not age at all. So problem with it i guess is my point because i guess i had seen worse recently (laughs) mcgregor shoots the jungle juice out the uh, jungle he like 
<laughs> he like gets the jungle juice out of his like it comes out of his hands and like they put them in jars and it's like they can only get like a limited amount because like if they take too much of it then the tree of life will die um and like the remaining villains want to like exploit the tree and like use all of its resources and so like there's of course another fight that ensues Lots of fighting in the final 30 minutes of the movie. I'm going to be honest. Lots of fighting. Yeah, or you could be dishonest and say there was very little fighting. I, I mean, I could, but I'm not going to. You can't spell dishonesty without the letters that spell Disney. <laughs> <laughs> can't spell dishonesty without Disney. Yeah, you're right. You know, I had to think about that for a second, but you're right. Like, they kind of, like get out their compasses like because like each of these characters has like their own compass and they pretty much try like bashing each other in their each other's faces with the compass and i guess i don't know if it's like this metaphor for everyone losing direction or if i'm just giving them too much credit but like that was an unexpected choice no i uh i think that's what they were going for you know they they had lost their way and that's why they were fighting with the uh, compasses because they had, you know, lost kind of the direction in life. Lily had become so intent on like using the tree of life to save everybody in the world that she lost like the the family that she had made along the way. Yeah, and like Lily makes this like like she pretty much uses Frank's line of "Let me be Frank." <laughs> you guys are being jerks. Like she says this to like the villains and she's like we need to have a truce and you know obviously she doesn't sound like how i'm saying it. like she has like her accent and whatnot and i just don't want to butcher it but yeah she tries to convince them that like all this fighting will lead them nowhere and they have to like do things for the good of the world and then like there's like this zoom in on the villains and they're like looking at each other and it looks like they're gonna have a change of heart but then they're like never and they step forward and then fall through like a sinkhole type of thing and so i guess maybe they die i wasn't really sure well they they keep their fates ambiguous which i'm pretty sure is because they're gonna inevitably make a sequel after this movie made bank at the box office yeah i mean the box office numbers like as of this opening weekend uh like, they look better than I expected. So, like, I don't know if they'll be able to maintain the momentum or not. So, we'll just have to see about that. Yeah, and you have to wonder how much of that bankable box office was because it's Dwayne and Emily Blunt, like, two real big stars. And uh, how many people are going to turn out to see them again in a second movie that may be very similar to the first? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. So... Uh, they get back to civilization and they kind of like they keep the tree of life a secret but they try to find ways to like stealthily give like put the cure in places where like people would need medicine for whatever they have and it's like you see them like giving like a brownie to someone who's like really ill with some ambiguous illness and once they like eat it because it has like the tree of life stuff in it like, they feel much better once they eat it. Yeah, they kind of stealthily taint some medicine with it. Probably throw off a lot of uh, medical uh, research studies, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, like, they did consider, like, telling the whole world about this Tree of Life cure thing, but after seeing, like, the evils of like the competing expedition they felt like the world is not ready yet but they'll try to do their part and of course like frank and lily kind of it's kind of hinted that they might become a thing but i don't know if that's the direction they'll go or not yeah they also intentionally seem to keep that pretty uh, ambiguous as well just in case you know again for the inevitable sequel that we all know they're gonna make because disney loves their sequels and also like who wouldn't make a sequel after the so far pretty good opening weekend box office numbers yeah and i mean considering the post credit scene that they inserted it looks like they've got some ideas so uh to backtrack a bit like 
2011, they were thinking of having Tom Hanks and Tim Allen star in the movie. But instead, what ends up happening is in this post credit scene, you see Frank, Lily, and McGregor. They bump into Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, who are dressed as Woody and Buzz Lightyear. And they, like, inform them about how, like, time and space is, like, colliding or whatever. And you get this montage of places like Tomorrowland and Galaxy's Edge from Star Wars and, like, all these other places like the haunted mansion you even see the country bears in there and a commission from mars like pretty much like any disney park ride that's been adapted into a movie like the tower of terror and like you also see like the black pearl in this montage and pretty much hinting that like all these different time periods and settings are colliding into like one land yeah i was kind of surprised at their choice of including the Brad Bird directed Tomorrowland movie, which didn't get like great reviews in this montage. Like everything else kind of made sense. You know, Toy Story, Star Wars, Marvel. These are all big franchises. And I guess Disney's trying to one up the Infinity War slash Endgame by colliding even more universes together. But I was kind of really, you know, questioning the inclusion of like Tomorrowland. Like, really, that was the movie you like decided to, to throw in there? You know, like, eh. <laughs> Actually, still haven't seen Tomorrowland. Neither yet. have I. Neither. Have I. I know there's a, also like a Disney XD cartoon called Miles from Tomorrowland. Like I don't know if the main character is named Miles, but it looks like something. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Well, now we have a I reason guess... to watch Tomorrowland, as as we find out, it's. It's going to be part of this larger universe somehow. Really curious to see how this is going to work. I don't know. We'll just have to see. Well, like, they even tell Frank that, like, his adventures are, like, inspiration for some video game in the future. So I guess that ties it with, like, with Sony's recent Jumanji mm-hmm. movies. So, like, you know, Sony and Disney working together again i guess yep somehow they didn't learn from their uh, little kerfuffle with the sony rights and they're back at it again <laughs> i mean it sounds like things are going fine with the next spider-man movie but like the stuff with like morbius which uh just came out and the upcoming venom movie is pretty questionable mm-hmm. i'd say like the first venom movie and the upcoming one so i enjoyed the first venom movie i thought it was fun i'm gonna be honest controversial opinion i thought that the first act of it was boring like i almost fell asleep um i did like the dynamic between eddie brock and uh the symbiote like they had good banter i think but i don't know i felt like it was missing something like to make me enjoy it as much as i would have preferred that's for, that's that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah, that movie. But I thought it was fun in the end. So once it picked up, I think it it really uh, won me over, so to speak. Check out Fair <laughs> Enough and County Fair podcast <laughs> where we rate county fairs. Yeah, I mean it's summertime, so like there's a bunch of them. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I guess we'll go into final thoughts and score out of 10. Sure. Yeah. I uh, enjoyed this movie. It, wa- it wasn't great, but I was really sold. You know, again, Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt were the two people who really sold me on this movie. And, and I think I, I had a fun time. Kind of curious to know where this whole like world ending crossover event is going to take us. But, you know, we'll see where it goes. You know, I'll I'll give Disney the benefit of the doubt and uh, I'll see it and see what happens. Yeah, I think uh, think I'll put it like, say, a 7 out of 10. That seems fair. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of weird that Disney is, like you said, trying to one-up Marvel, even though they already own (laughs) Marvel. But, like, I guess the fans are really demanding a disneyland cinematic universe so but yeah this movie i didn't go in with high expectations it it had its fun moments i guess like again like the rock and emily blunt were big highlights um the 
some of the other characters were kind of forgettable. Like we couldn't even remember some of their mm-hmm. names. So just goes to show how like some of the acting could have been better. And there were like all these moments that felt like out of nowhere. And to me felt like padding the runtime, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I'm going to give this one. I'll give this a 6.5 out of 10. It was a ride. <laughs> Not the funnest ride, but a ride. It was a ride. Now, the Disneyland ride, that's a fun ride. And that probably the ride is a 10 out of 10. So. <laughs> yes. That ride is 100% a 10 out of 10. No question. All right. Yeah, that's pretty much canon that it's 10 out of 10 <laughs> canon confirmed you heard it here first folks anyway uh thanks again for being on this episode dylan where can people find your stuff oh yeah no thanks for inviting me on i had a lot of fun i enjoyed it uh, i enjoyed it a lot i was really looking forward to it coming into it and i had a good time yeah if people want to let's see if they want to find my stuff the best place is our website which is decorativevegetable.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at TYD Podcast. Uh, you can also find my personal Twitter account at Spaceman Dylan. And then we're also on Facebook, Trust Your Doctor. Those are kind of the main places to find my content and my podcasts. We release twice weekly right now, which is rough on the editing, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah you suckers don't stick to like once a week like i generally do <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> we used to do once a week and then we did twice a week for zenith and we burned ourselves out so that's when we do twice a week now we take breaks in between seasons of inevitable trust your doctor has been running continuously for six years now but inevitable takes breaks yeah go ahead and check those podcasts out you'll find some really fun info as well as tangents which are just as fun if not more fun and also steven's been on the show once and may be on again soon so if you enjoy that also come and check us out yeah and i sometimes email the show so he's been on both in voice and in spirit through his emails canon, canon confirmed <laughs> as for my plugs uh you can find me at steven schinder on twitter and instagram steven schinder storytelling on facebook uh, you can also find my fantasy horror comedy novel, Lemons of Mike Rain. Uh, more info on that at stevenschinder.com. It's available on Amazon, the website, not the forest jungle place. Uh, rainforest. <laughs> and, um, yeah, if you want to email the podcast, just email delayed replay podcast at gmail.com. Uh, no emails yet, other than like some sketchy spam emails. Like, like, like I look at the subject head headings, and it's like these people obviously didn't listen to the show. They're like calling me names without knowing me. So, boy, I get those two for trusted doctor all the time. Yeah, so only email the podcast if you're like legit. <laughs> so, yo, spammers. Like, get out of here. <laughs> Stop trying to take my money and hack me or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what it is that the spammers want to do. I don't even, like, open the emails. Super so. suspicious. <laughs> I'll only open the the real ones from the loyal listeners. From the loyal, loyal true fans. Yeah. 10 out of 10 gatekeeping <laughs> right here. <laughs> all right and next episode delayed replay will be going from jungle cruise to tom cruise with top gun maverick so that should be something that certainly could be could be a good one uh without further delay have a good day (laughs) the broadcast has ended Little does Steven know that we are listening from inside this trailer. What did we learn?
Well, according to my research, the Jaws quote was about Jaws 4 and said by Michael Caine. The actor from Tenet? Is there anything he isn't in? Some of these actors do more than one movie, apparently. We'll have to transmit this to our master, but I'm sure by now he's already convinced. Steven will make a fine host for our own amusement park.